Welcome to the fourth Amazing Race Canada 4 recap episode of the Your Team Number podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone and joining me as always is the Canadian who always wears a backwards hat when he performs Vietnamese karaoke, Logan Saunders. Morning. Thought I'd go for a, a curveball choice for your intro this week. One of my favourite little observations from the episode, Lowell's uh, backwards hat. And the pose at the end. Yeah. And thank God that was such a good episode after last week. There was no equalizer. No equalizer whatsoever on the buses. We haven't really had an equalizer all season long. No, I was so sort of mourning after last week that I needed this episode just to cleanse my palate and give us just utter ridiculousness. I think this was the first time that Anne and Tanya met Emmett and Jillian all season long. Yeah, I think it probably was. Since the starting line. Yeah, because there wasn't any equalizer with the flights, was there? Or they, there wasn't nope. any equalizer with the bus. They might have met each other on the flight to um, Saigon last week, but... Uh, Emin and Jillian were probably thrown into first class, and Anne and Tanya had a sit-in coach. Probably. Anne and Tanya just got to cling on to the outside of the plane. They weren't actually given a seat. <laughs> or they were in the aisle with all the families and the babysitter crying, because they thought they'd be a good fit there. So, previously, nine teams flew from Calgary to Kaibei in Vietnam. At the airport, Steph and Kristen deceived everyone that they had won the double express pass. The heat was the major factor of the leg, straining relationships with varied results. Joel and Ashley danced their way to first place, while Stefan's heat stroke and openness to helping other teams caused him and Antoine to be the second team eliminated from the race. They still didn't properly explain what led up to that, though. They still they still didn't say anything. They just said, oh, after two hours at the roadblock, Stefan magically got heat stroke, and that's why they lost. Like, they're, they're still not explaining that time gap. Also, the clip of them saying, do you want to take a penalty? It looked like Julie was still there when they said that. So that's kind of out of sequence, which is, you know, typical editing tricks. Yeah, they're really trying to confuse us with what happened to Stefan at that roadblock. We're still not getting a straight up answer. And it's it's frustrating as a viewer. And, you know, the most distressing thing, Monty said that Steph and Kristen deceived all nine teams. And I know for a fact they did not deceive themselves. Maybe they deceived Anthony and Brandon at the starting line somehow. To be fair, I don't think that would be very hard. Maybe they told them they were professional football players. Probably bright, shiny lights would do that to Anthony and Brandon. (laughs) And talking of Anthony and Brandon, did you notice that them and Stefan and Antoine are back-to-back in the titles? So it's a blatant conspiracy. Oh yeah, it's rigged. It's rigged. It is. So teams must now travel back to Ho Chi Minh City via public bus number three. And once there, they need to find the Ba Tien Hao temple and search for the next clue. And did you notice how much dong they had on their uh, card this week, Logan? 1.5 million. They were lucky enough to each have 1.5 million dong on their cards. And that is a lot of dong. Yeah, when you combine it all together, it matches the number of motorcycles and people in uh, Ho Chi Minh City, if I'm not mistaken. Between all the teams, they had 12 million dong. That's more than enough to go around, I think. Oh, I'm so disappointed that Rita and Yvette read it out, because I wanted to see whether you'd paid attention to how much dong there was in this leg. Yeah. And um, it is Joel and Ashley leaving at 11.41am, Steph and Kristen at 11.44, Kelly and Kate at 11.45, and then Gillian and Emmett at 12.14, Frankie and Amy at 12.29, Rita and Yvette at 12.52, and then Julian Lowell at 1.15, and Anne and Tanya at 1.44. And this is a Quite a close spread for this race. Yes, who two two, two hour gap between first and last is considered being razor thin close together on the Amazing Race Canada 
in contrast to last season of Amazing Race US, where maybe that happened once all season long, and it was always down to minutes from first to last all other times. And uh, 1.5 million dong is about 88 Canadian dollars. Oh, so they didn't get that much money for this leg. No, as I said last week, about 15,000 dong was a uh, McDonald's meal. It makes you feel super rich buying stuff in Vietnam, because you're like, holy crap, 150 million dong, or whatever it is that um, Amazing Race of Vietnam gives out. 300 million is, actually. Why do currencies do that? Why do they, Why does it have to be such a high number for everything? I mean, if it's 1.5 million to 88 in another currency, that just seems unnecessary. You think they could just scale it down? Yeah, it's laughable when you consider that the top prize of Amazing Race Vietnam is about £7,500, or about 10000 Canadian dollars. So they're winning like a billion dong, pretty much. No, they win $300 million. $300 million. It's like Dr. Evil just throwing out random big numbers out there. A billion, four billion dollars, or whatever else they throw out there. It's like how I assume being in Zimbabwe would be. It's with Zimbabwe, well, well, theirs is different. It's just major inflation on their part. Zimbabwe is notorious inflation. And there's not that much intrigue, really, with the buses, but Frankie and Amy do miss the bus that Gillian and Emma are on and say that, I hope this doesn't bring bad karma. Karma doesn't exist, but yes, it does It does hurt them later on in the round. Yeah, spoilers, it brings bad karma. Did you hear Joel's comparison for the heat? He said it was hotter than a hoochie-coochie. Oh, yeah. I do not want to know what that means. And the look that Ashley gave him. <laughs> it's like, wow, uh, if, if you didn't know that my dad was over the age of 40, uh, you certainly do now. <laughs> it's like, dad, stop talking about hoochie-coochie all the time. <laughs> Actually, I think that's... Uh, have you ever seen the Hitler sitcom that the BBC did uh, like 20 years ago? A Heil Honey, I'm Home or something it's called, isn't it? Yeah, Hail Honey, I'm Home, yeah. I believe that's one of the songs that Hitler sings is about Hoochie Coochie. Here comes the Tickle Monster. And I I know after this week's show you are planning on actually doing proper uh, predictions of where teams are going to end up. I think you can rule out three of the seven teams straight away. Which would be? Which would be all the non-female teams. Because Anne and Tanya's first confessional is that they are hoping for two women to win. Going back to the Matt and Dana discussion last season, they wouldn't include that if it didn't happen. That is true. So I think that we will not see a male winner this season. I think it's going to be all female. The odds are definitely there. I hope for crazy's sake that it is Kelly and Kate or Frankie and Amy, but... Would that be awesome if, if Kelly and Kate Cinema win the season? I know that after with the after this leg that their Vietnamese advantage is essentially gone and that they're probably going to go back to being at the bottom once they head back to Canada because that's just how it works. Um, But yeah, it would just be amazing if they somehow just keep this up and win at the end of the season after two ninth place finishes to open up uh, their journey. The wondrousness that would be basically the Chinese Charlotte and Nabila winning a season would just be awesome. That would be the Canadian season we deserve. Mm-hmm. And we've still got three more non-eliminations to go, so Kelly and Kate can still scrape by several more times within the Canada lakes. Especially after how sucky last season's winners were. KK. You've not texted me that yet. <sighs> yes, I will. I'll get around to it. You do need to give give my number now to Jesse now that you have it, and just get him to text me KK, because that would really annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> just every just every few days be like here jesse want to make a quick five dong um just text kk to michael harmstone and he'll just be outraged but don't so, say that it's you he'll figure it out he'll he'll know it's you but as long as you don't outright say it he's going to be too hesitant to start name calling something tells me that jesse would do anything for five dong not even a giggle Ooh. in that one yeah <laughs> That's just, uh, you're just going too far, Michael. Fine. So, once teams get to the temple, it's an act of info which is taking part in a ceremonial practice to bring good luck and release negative energy, releasing birds from a cage. And once all their birds are gone, they receive their next clue. And I love that the theme of these Vietnam legs is just shit on Kelly and Kate. Just try and really (laughs) annoy them and scare them. 
The birds are supposed to be the protector of travelers. Kelly did not feel so protected when releasing the birds. I'm just so scared of their wings. <laughs> oh, she will never drink Red Bull. It would just blow her mind if she was given wings. <laughs> and no, I yeah. don't mean the singer from Hong Kong. Imagine if there's like the adaptation of the Greek mythology of Icarus, and Kelly had to play the role of Icarus. She would just instantly fly towards the sun just to get the wings to melt. <laughs> Are you aware of the Hong Kong singer Wing? No, I'm not. Basically, she does terrible, terrible karaoke versions of songs. I will have to send you at least uh, one of the YouTube links because she's. What's awful. her most popular one? Um, Is it like American songs that she does? Yeah, yeah, it's English language. Oh, okay. She has a unique singing style, according to um, according to Wikipedia, and. Um, She's sung stuff like Phantom of the Opera and uh, Dancing Queen and Candle in the Wind. Dancing Queen? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll send you Dancing Queen. <laughs> She's just wondrous. And this task seemed entirely pointless to me. Just one of those additional route info tasks they had to find within the busy street. It was The more the challenge was probably to find the birds than it was to do the actual task. I honestly suspect that they only showed us the first three teams doing it just to say it happened, and then only showed us Anne and Tanya doing it just so they had a little bit more airtime in the episode they lost. Do you think Lowell has has used the bus's uh, ho- uh, horn as his ringtone? Do you think that's his ringtone now? Almost certainly, but Lowell, if you haven't yet found it, I will try and clip it for you, because I can get do that for you. That is a damn promise. <laughs> So, yeah, once teams complete that task, they have to make their way to the corner of Thang and uh, Niguan Tong Street. And that is actually how it's pronounced rather than how it was butchered on the show, uh, where they will find the next clue. Ooh, Michael, uh, <laughs> you're really trying to really show off your Vietnamese uh, pronunciation knowledge. Everyone's going to be so impressed. Yeah, worryingly, when um, they did the bug-eating task and stuff. I did actually recognise Quan Wan as District 1 from when I was in Vietnam last year. <laughs> I'm quite worried with myself for actually remembering that. That District 1, that seems a lot more peaceful than uh, District 9. Quan is the uh, the Vietnamese word for district, because we found that when we got hopelessly, hopelessly lost in uh, Ho Chi Minh City and ended up having to buy a drink in a, uh, a KFC just to steal their Wi-Fi. So the, the that famous golfer in the states, her last name actually translates to district. Michelle Kwan. Spelled differently, I think. Logan. Oh, okay. <laughs> I knew it was a bit of a stretch. And once teams get to that corner, it's a roadblock. Which is who's a tool? And no, the correct answer is not Gino and Jesse. <laughs> oh. There's oh. at least one more Gino and Jesse joke coming. So, in this roadblock, one team member must reassemble a scooter using all the tools and screws provided and the instructions that are in Vietnamese. Once the scooter is back in one piece, they receive their next clue. And also, when Monty said that there were thousands and thousands of scooters in Ho Chi Minh City, he is underestimating. It is, like, chock full of them. I would not have wanted to take a taxi in Ho Chi Minh City purely because of how many scooters there are and how many stupid people there were driving them. I mean, it got to the point where we were trying to cross this. It was a road leading onto a roundabout, and we were trying to cross this. And they don't even stop for you. It is just like a real-life game of Frogger. They just go around you. So we were try- having to walk across this, like, eight-lane motorway, pretty much, and just have scooters going maybe an inch from our arms as we were walking across. But they dodge you, though, right? Just. Oh, well, yeah, it's... They're trying to show. They're trying to audition for Fast and the Furious Nine, uh, Vietnamese Drift. It was emotionally scarring. I wonder what's the fastest anybody's ever run across an intersection in the middle of Ho Chi Minh City. I wonder if that's an actual sport to see how fast you can get across. Probably quite slow because you would not want to run out like that. Wouldn't that be such a thrill though, just to do that once? Be like, just you know, put on your you know sprinting shoes and just really just just gun it down gun it down the intersection by all means logan do that but i'm not going to endorse it put a gopro on yourself and just make it a sport and if you survive you can put it on youtube <laughs> and when you get hit you have that song playing from the four season of arrested development that simon and garfunkel song as you 
slowly fly up into the air in slow motion. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> yes. I want to talk with you That's again. the song. <laughs> so it is uh, Kristen, Kate, Joel, Emma, Yvette, Frankie, Julie, and Anne doing this roadblock. And this is the point in the episode where we just get wondrousness beginning. Starting with Kristen uh, saying that her dad told her, since there's not going to be a man around, you're going to need to know how to use these when he gave her a toolkit for her 18th birthday. You know what? I just got that just now what her dad meant by that. I thought he meant like he wasn't going to be around. No, but he, meant, not... he meant lesbian. The one time that I'm not thinking about lesbian was Stefan Kristen. And that's the time when they pull out a lesbian reference. This is the one time when Logan is not thinking about lesbians. <laughs> phrasing, Michael, phrasing. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say that purely so I could clip it and abuse the living shit out of it. <laughs> I never stop thinking about lesbians. Oh, Logan, you're just the worst. The worst. And as soon as Joel and Ashley rocked up, I knew instantly that Joel would be doing the roadblock because he's a car mechanic. And I wasn't surprised that Emmett did it either because he does it recreationally. We should note that the next... We know this is going to happen in one of the later episodes. But somebody's going to screw up at a job relating to their profession. And there's going to be those fans that say, oh, that happens every single time. That's tradition on Amazing Race Canada. Well, folks, it doesn't happen every time because Joel just did it and he did it well. Everyone's going to have selective selective memory when it comes to this down the road. So get ready, guys, because we will be shouting you down on this. Yes, we will be, I will be twisting and shouting. Twisting and shouting. So there really actually wasn't that much to say about this task. I don't know, Kelly was pretty amusing trying to put the motorcycle together. I was wondering whether we were going to get a uh, Kelly and Kate getting eliminated in Vietnam uh, moment, when it looked like she was just going to be struggling with that task. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was possibly going to happen. But then I remember just how far behind Anne and Tanya always are all season long. Especially with the fact that there was no equalizer, so Kelly and Kate had a two-hour head start on uh, Anne and Tanya. Yeah, how on God's earth did uh, Anne and Tanya fall that far behind? Because I don't think they got, got to the temple until it was dark. It seemed like they were just hanging around waiting for the bus to leave, so maybe the like they were supposed to make... Julie and Lowell's bus, but then they took too long, so then the next bus was like another hour before their bus left. It could have been one hour intervals for between each bus that uh, left uh, Kai Bay. Yeah, because we found out last week that it's only about an hour from Ho Chi Minh City to, um, to Kai Bay. So there really wasn't that much excuse for them to be that far behind, but it was basically pitch black by the time they got to the temple. And it definitely was pitch black by the time they got to the mechanics. So that was, they left at 1.44, the pit stop, and it's supposed to be one hour to get to Ho Chi Minh City. Maybe their bus left during rush hour traffic when it was really bad in contrast to the other teams? Yeah, perhaps. So I guess they would have taken like four or five hours to get to Ho Chi Minh City for going based on the daylight and the edit. Or they just took a really long time to get to the bus station in the first place and they just didn't have enough time to get that across to the audience. Yeah, anyone listening who's going to be interviewing Anne and Tanya, can you find this out for me? Because I'm actually interested. So, Joel and Ashley leave first with Steph and Kristen in second, Gillian and Emma in third, uh, Kelly and Kate in fourth, and Frankie and Amy in fifth, Rita and Yvette in sixth, and Julian Lowell in seventh. After several puns. After several puns, Julian Lowell left in seventh. Don't screw this up. What was his other pun? She's got a handlebar of this, I think it was. Oh, yeah. And uh, Anne and Tanya leaving last. And Frankie also forgot to take her clue. And actually had to get called back. She was just too excited? Yeah, she had to get called back by the uh, the clue giver. I love how it looked like Kristen didn't even find the instructions until after she already made a couple of attempts at it. I'm not sure the instructions helped that much. Yeah, it was, pro- it was probably just, it just had LaGrill written on there. And then Kristen's like, what the hell is LaGrill? And at this point... It is time for your early birthday present, because Anne and Tanya said something wondrous after this task. Did you write it down? Oh, oh, I, I feel like I wrote something by them down. Can't, I can't remember what it was. Logan, this is your birthday present from me. When the farmer feels their seaweed has been properly laid out to dry, he may give them a little face cream. I did it in one take. So proud! 
It was like magic in my fingers. Oh, oh thank you. Oh. <laughs> Anne's exact quote was that she had magic in her fingers. And she did it at one time. It was way too low-hanging fruit. I'm sorry. <laughs> she only needed one take. <laughs> I think Julie has a, an inappropriate quote later on in the episode, too. There's at least one more inappropriate quote that I do actually need your opinion on which is going to be the stinger this week, because there's three potentials. That should have been the episode title, Magic in My Fingers. <laughs> Magic in My Fingers does sound like some sort of really shit debut single from someone. Yeah. Probably Robin Sparkle's next single. Magic in My Fingers, guys. But yeah, when I heard Anne say... That she did it in one try, and it was ma- like she had magic in her fingers. It was way too tempting to go for the uh, the face cream reference, especially as Tanya did mention face cream in her bio. <laughs> it was a team effort on their part. It was. They are forever to be known as Team Face Cream. Hashtag Team Face Cream. It's all right. We get the incredible Hulk later. Uh, so once teams complete the roadblock, they have to find Quan Asoy in District One where they will be served a plate of Vietnamese delicacies, fried worms, crickets, centipedes, and grasshoppers, and a bat, before eating a dessert of a coconut worm each to receive their next clue. With a live studio audience. It did seem like a lot of these tasks had a live studio audience this week. Well, they're very, very public places. Yeah, we had the pit stop as well. That was, mm-hmm. like, the most public pit stop we've seen in years. Since, like, the downtown market leg in Ghana? It, from season 17, where it seemed like they just had to fight their way through the crowds to get to the pit stop? Yeah, I can't think of a more recent, really public one. I'm sure someone will get back to us, because Munim Khan did uh, fact-checkers last week. And I love that basically the subtext of this task was, you thought the fast-forward last year was hard? We'll suck it, guys. We're going to make it an active info, so suck on it, Gino and Jesse. Do you see somebody complain online that they're doing another bug-eating task? Oh... Oh, how terrible. Except it's very different things they're eating this time and slightly different structure to it. They must complete it. Amy must forgo being a vegetarian for this one task, which is the one thing I'm always afraid of if I'm on the race. Because A, I'm a vegetarian, and B, I have bad gag reflexes. Well, you would have been perfect for this task then. There's literally nothing wrong with this picture. (laughs) I would have been twitching more than Anne was and feeling like I was possessed by some evil spirit while eating the bugs. Yeah, this just proves that um, Amazing Race Canada 4 is the toughest race ever. Because who brings back a fast forward and makes it an active route info? With bats, centipedes, not the human centipede, thankfully. That would have been really disturbing. Um, Eat this plate of human centipedes. (laughs) Oh, I really don't want to get into that on this podcast. I feel like that takes us up to the next level of inappropriateness. Logan, we've already had jokes about magic in my fingers and a hell of a lot of dong jokes. I don't think anything's off limit this week. Uh, I I think the human centipede is. That's where I draw the line. Maybe Anne would have been justified in becoming the Incredible Hulk then. And the fast forward last year was only mealworms as well. It was mealworms and crickets, if I remember correctly. In Sudbury. In Sudbury. The arse end of Toronto. <laughs> but yeah, we had mealworms, we had crickets again, and then they added centipedes, grasshoppers, and the James Clement favourite, a live bat. I wrote James Clement down too. Yes, high five. <laughs> James Clement would have been all over that bat. Yeah. Nice juicy bat. He wouldn't have been over the damn apple though. No, he had apples on the plate Next to the bunny's like, I'm not eating that. <laughs> what in the Nickelodeon is this? Hands down, this was the best task of the season, maybe of Amazing Race Canada. Because we just had Ashley's reactions being wondrous. And when she shrieked when seeing the live worm, did you also notice the clue giver sort of flinching? She stood in the background and flinched when Ashley screamed. Or Joel was like, Ashley, there's th- what's the problem? There's no bones or skulls. <laughs> and then we had Kelly and Kate being boss bitches and just going, oh, we eat this all the time, we're Chinese. Mm-hmm. And just devouring it. They're, they even had, this didn't make it on air, but they had seconds. That's why they only won the leg by a few minutes, because they just asked for seconds. Mm-hmm. They needed to uh, bat their eyelashes to get the seconds. 
Oh, Lowell, we'd be so proud of you. <laughs> yeah, we had Amy being a vegetarian. We had Anne basically turning into the Incredible Hulk. It was just delightful. Yeah. Uh, you don't like it when I get batty. She was twitching. She was like that one guy from the Black Eyed Peas music video. It was hilarious. I can't say I'm up on my uh, Black Eyed Peas music videos. It's the, it's, I think it's the Don't Funk With My Heart music video, where the one guy just twitches uh, because of the, the voodoo doll. Alright. And did you pick up on the subtle hints that Anne and Tanya might be mothers? What, did they say, like, you can't, you can't have your dessert until you finish your centipedes and bats? It was something like, oh, we're mothers, we can get through this. It's like, you don't need to say, start every sentence with, oh, we're mothers, we can. Uh, we're Italian Vikings, we can paddle this. Exactly. So, yeah, this task was just wondrous. And maybe it was a little bit unfair on Amy having to still eat her worm. I think they probably could have got away with not having that rule in place, as long as Frankie was willing to do it. They could have just made it a second roadblock. Oh, imagine if it was a second roadblock, then that means Amy would have had to do this whole task. That would have been better TV. You like good TV? You want good TV? Yes, Sabrina. And... Once teams complete this task, they find out it is a detour. But before we get to that, here is your first option for the stinger this week. It is the wondrousness that is Ashley. Ugh, I'm so sick of my life. I feel sick because I, I know what's inside me right now. Ugh. I wrote that down. I wrote that down. That has to be the stinger. That's the. <laughs> yes, Ashley does indeed know what is inside her. And being the 12-year-olds that we are, despite the fact that Logan is nearly double that age now as of Saturday, she knows what's inside her. Oh, it's no bones or skulls, though. True, she doesn't have any bones inside her. So the detour is flip-flop or v-pop. And in flip-flop, teams must learn a flare bar sending routine whilst mixing the signature cocktail of the bar, the Hello Vietnam, or as they would call it in Korea, Anyong. And they need to mix it correctly to get their next clue. And in V-pop, I have to let John Montgomery himself introduce it. I can't do this justice. In V-pop, teams will make their way to Kingdom Karaoke, take the stage, and channel their inner pop star! There has to be a deleted scene where Monty performs the Shine Your Light song. You can tell I had so much fun with this episode, can't you? (laughs) Did you know who really loves the karaoke task and really wish that they got to do it? Who's that? Pierre and Michelle, this would have been the perfect task for them, for them to try and do karaoke in Vietnamese, because we know how outgoing they are and how much they love to sing, and especially in the Vietnamese language. Despite the fact that this is a pretty much direct recycle of the Whiskey Dicks task from um, Amazing Race Canada 2. But yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't V-pop though. Pierre and Michelle, it was just very generic rock. Karaoke tasks have never let me down. There is very little better on The Amazing Race than a terrible karaoke task. I don't know, Amazing Race 14's karaoke task was pretty bad. Yeah, but that came in a bad leg. And the alternate for that was the dentistry task, if I remember correctly. Season 14 sucks so much on so many levels, it's unbelievable. Yeah, the the dentistry task does sound like the sort of thing that would appear in Hammer Arts. I would rather experience the dentistry task than to watch The Amazing Race 14 again. Really? I'd rather have Archie looking through my mouth. That's definitely not getting clips. Um, <laughs> even more than Amazing Race 24. Because we both know how how much hatred there is on this podcast for Amazing Race 24. I would I would book two dentist appointments. Would it be with the weird Georgian dentist from uh, Hammer Arts 4? Probably. Almost certainly. So, in V-pop, teams must learn a chorus and a verse of a Vietnamese karaoke song called Shine Your Light, which has been written out phonetically for them, and then they have to perform it in front of a crowd to get their next clue. And Monty singing is just everything I needed and more. After my disappointment at Stefan and Antoine going last week, I needed something as ridiculous as Monty singing to just cheer me up again. I love how we tried to do the whole tone with the Vietnamese singing as well, the, the, pop, the pop sound. Yeah, if if they don't have the deleted scene of Monty singing Shine Your Light, I'm going to be so disappointed, because that's the sort of thing that Amazing Race Canada needs to give me now. You think V-pop would also refer to what Ashley was talking about, about what's inside of her? As soon as she started that sentence, I was like, don't go there, Logan, don't go there, Logan, don't go there. Oh shit, you went there. 
Uh, I told you the human centipede is where I draw a line, but everything else is fair game. But talks of what's inside me, which is an, ironically another Arrested Development reference, thanks to the man inside me. <laughs> oh, Tobias! I just blew myself. So yeah, Jillian and Emmett have one attempt at the karaoke task, and then switch straight to bartending. And Ashley screws up their first attempt because her shaker is jammed. And then we have the kick-ass moment of the episode with Kelly and Kate boss-bitching their way through the V-Pot task by translating it phonetically into Mandarin, because that's textbook Pandarin. Pandarin Mandarin? Have I not introduced you to Bo Burnham's latest album? I'm a big fan of Bo Burnham. I can't remember whether I sent round Pandarin. Basically, he did a parody of what you call stadium country songs, which are just pandering to the audience. But the, oh. the level of rhymes for the word pandering is quite impressive. Such as I could sing in Mandarin, that's textbook pandering. Or thematically me- meandering. That is impressive, Bo Burnham. Did, did you, when Steph and Kristen were eating the bugs, did you notice the tiny monkey that was sitting on the one person's <laughs> shoulder just watching them? Yes. That was the best. He almost got into the banner stakes, but there were better reactions this week, such as actually dry heaving it. Uh, everywhere, and scaring the living bejesus out of the the clue giver. Yes. So yeah, Kelly and Kate leave V-Pop in first, with Steph and Kristen leaving Flip-Flop after 25 attempts in second. Uh, Rita and Yvette leave V-Pop in third, and Frankie and Amy leave V-Pop in fourth. And which one would you have picked, by the way? I meant to mention this. Probably V-Pop. I always love a good karaoke throwdown. I think... You probably should stay the hell away from something like Flair Balsen, because it is something you can either do really well or really not. Which we found out with Emma and Jillian this week. Yeah, if you can't do it, you get to do 63 attempts and stay there for hours. Is that a record? I can't remember a number being higher than that on The Amazing Race. Yeah, I don't think we've ever seen a number that high. It was quite impressive. We also had Joel and Ashley on 59. That was very close. It was. And Anna and Antonia being mothers or Italian Vikings or whatever it is that they choose to be to relate to the task, they were able to do it in just 30 attempts. They did it in half the time that Emmett and Jillian did. Well, in theory. In theory, unless they got to the end of each attempt and like screwed up on the final step, as opposed to Emmett and Jillian, who, especially that one time where Jillian hadn't even started it yet, and Emmett's like, oh, we gotta start over, I screwed up. Did you notice that it seems that the more Jillian and Emmett fight, the better they do? Because they really didn't clash that much. They didn't have the iconic quote of, uh, I'm tired of you not listening to me, like last week. The best we got were, we're not fighting right now, so don't fight with me. But yeah, they don't fight and they do really badly. They fight and they win the first two legs in a row. Yeah, the, the bickering works. The, it's, a proven, it's a proven strategy. It's the Haley and Blair principle. No, it's the, T, it's the Tien and Jiri principle. Because they, uh, they always survived whenever they were fighting. Then the one round where they fight the least is when they got eliminated in season four. But we also got other iconic moments with them, so, you know. Like Jerry plugging her ears? <laughs> well, let me take it. I know what's inside me. I don't think Tian and Jerry ever said that. And then V-Pop. And yeah, the MVP of the episode for me was, of course, Lowell's backwards hat in V-Pop. Was there a pun? Did he have a pun when singing? He didn't, but he did have a backwards hat, which is which just made everything better. And the whole crossed arms pose that they did after they completed the attempt? It was very nineties. Yes. They're a bit out. who knew that Julian Lowell would be up would be outdated when it comes to uh, how to imitate uh, hip hop artists. And Joel and Ashley are fifth to leave flip flop with fifty nine attempts under their belts. Hey Michael, did you know that uh after getting trained in bartending, Joel is now going to charge $100 an hour to mix your drinks. Dollars or dollars. Because, to be fair, dollars would be pretty cheap, given that a million dollars is the going rate. Just like Vietnamese dog. No, you you got to pay dollars. Okay. Canadian or Zimbabwe? Canadian. Uh, anyways, with Jillian, she was... I feel bad they had to switch because she seemed so excited to do the karaoke task. She was even she's even going on stage like, "Am I a really good singer?" And then you just see Emmett completely stone faced when he has to try and start singing in Vietnamese. He probably would have been willing to do eighty or ninety attempts uh, at the bartending task, even if he was told that it would take that many attempts beforehand, and he would still do that over one attempt of karaoke. 
The problem for Gillian, I think, is that she was overshadowed by Monty. Monty set the bar so high for doing Vietnamese karaoke that it's such a task to actually attain it. Yeah, um, Monty's performance was very noteworthy. Is that a Lowell pun? Yes, it was. So yeah, Julie and Lowell leave B-pop in 6th, with Gillian and Emmett leaving flip-flop in 7th after 63 attempts, and Anne and Tanya leave flip-flop in last after 30 attempts. And I'm pretty sure when Gillian and Emmett left, Anne and Tanya were only on 3 attempts. So there's some sneaky editing there, for want of a better term. They probably only had like 5 minutes of overlap at the task, and then Anne and Tanya were probably there for another hour or so after that. I don't think it was that close. Especially if, like... I mean, I'm curious how many, it, how long it took for each attempt, because the longer it is, the more time that Anna and Tony would have made up. But seeing how quickly Emin and Jillian were screwing up so many times, they could have easily burned through like 60 attempts or so in a matter of a couple of hours. Yeah, I don't think Jillian and Emma were actually there that long. I just think that when you're in the zone and you think, ah, oh, we're, we're last two, we're screwed, that maybe you get a bit frazzled and think, ah, oh, we've been here for literally days. I think they had to be there for a long time, though, because they showed up there in, what, second or third? And, like, all the teams who were on the trailing buses all beat them except for Anne and Tanya. So they had, to lo- they had to have lost a ton of time. I think flip-flop was as the sort of trick detour option that we always talk about. I think you should always go for something like V-pop. Because I suspect mm-hmm. they would not have taken 63 attempts to do V-pop. <laughs> I think they probably could have learnt it phonetically. Because it was only, what, about eight lines each they had to learn, I would say. Yeah, it wouldn't have been that much of a time investment, but Emmett, he just looked, he looked more terrified of karaoke than Anne did of the bugs. Minus the twitching. Yeah, minus the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> and you know what I, what I loved about the detour, too, is with Steph and Kristen when they go to flip-flop, and we just get that random slideshow of the softball uh, pictures. <laughs> Just imagine how awesome it would have been to see Stefan and Antoine having to do one of these tasks. It would have just been glorious. Especially karaoke. If Stefan had to do karaoke, that would have just made my day. Imagine if they would have made the last leg of to be continued, and Stefan would have had to continue with heat stroke. <laughs> heat stroke karaoke. <laughs> then having to do karaoke, it would have been awesome. Stefan would have just helped all the other teams with pronouncing the words in Vietnamese, though. And would have had, his throw would have just been too dry to perform it himself. So once teams completed their respective details, they have to now find the statue of Ho Chi Minh on the promenade opposite Saigon City Hall, the pit stop for this leg of the race. The last team to check in here may be eliminated. And they really didn't elaborate on actually where it was. I said this on Amazing Race fans group. Where the pit stop actually was was pretty much next to the statue of Ho Chi Minh, who obviously Ho Chi Minh City is named after, after they changed it from Saigon. So I'm quite surprised that they didn't at least acknowledge the statue, because it was right behind the crowd. Oh yeah, they, they didn't even talk about that statue at all, eh? No. There was no, Vietnam, there was no Vietnam War references actually in either of these two legs, which is something that we brought up a couple of weeks ago. The closest we got was them saying that they took in the boat people. Oh yeah, the refugees. They basically said Canada didn't get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kelly and Kate are the first team to check in, and they win a trip for two to LA to do lots and lots of shopping. Oh, that was funny with Emmett too at the karaoke task, saying no one will come here, and he didn't, he didn't even think that Kelly and Kate would be immediately attracted to the Vietnamese karaoke task. And then unlike Steph and Kristen, hit it out of the ballpark. I think on paper you probably would go to flair bartending, but you think about it and go, hmm, can I do flair bartending? Have I got the natural skills? And you probably go, no. Or I would, at least. And then Kelly and Kate would have had the linguistic advantage, too, for for a karaoke, and they just seem like the type of people who would probably be into that more than having to do all that physical work with the flair bartending. To be fair to them, Vietnamese is pretty much unlike any other language in the world. I know there's obviously transferable skills of being like bilingual, as Monty would pronounce it. But yeah, that's what I mean, yeah, ma- with being man- multilingual. Mandarin is obviously nothing like um, like Vietnamese. Having said that, oh, no. on the cruise last year, they did offer Cantonese karaoke. Cantonese karaoke? Cantonese karaoke every night. Because it was full of people from China. 
So there is an English karaoke section on the opposite side of the ship to the uh, Cantonese karaoke. Oh, segregated. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like half English, half Cantonese, because that would have been mental. That would have been the China, China Rush karaoke. Yeah, that, that would have been hilariously entertaining, but it also would have been crazy. It would have been like Feliz Navidad, where it's split between English and Spanish. Feliz Navidad. Prospero and Felicidad. You do realise it's like the hottest day of the year in the UK right now and we're singing a Christmas song <laughs> in Spanish. <laughs> I am very, very warm right now. <laughs> Is this where we throw in the Stefan, I am so hot? Uh, I'm so hot! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had a... I just thought, uh, I just thought of something really outrageous to, to clip two sound bites together. To have Stefan, to have Stefan soundbite followed by a Ashley soundbite. I'm so hard. I know what's inside me. Or I guess it would work if it's uh, Stefan's followed by Anne's. <laughs> or alternatively, Ashley's followed by Anne's. I know what's inside me. There's magic in my fingers. Yes, yes, that would be the best combination. Fine, I will clip that for you. I do love being able to, um, to clip the audio now. I never used to have that ability. So for the third time in four weeks, Steph and Kristen check in in second place. And because they haven't given out the double express pass yet, when Frankie and Amy check in, Steph and Kristen have to come back and hand it over. And this won't end horribly. <laughs> Ashley could not have been more unimpressed with Steph and Kristen. Save it. Save it. We have a discussion on this. <laughs> So, third was Larissa and Yvette, and fourth was the aforementioned Frankie and Amy, with Joel and Ashley checking in in fifth place right behind them. And this was best case scenario for this, because we are on record as hating the Double Express Pass twist. But if the Double Express Pass means that we get the stink face from Ashley every season, I don't really care. Because Ashley's face was wondrous. Ashley's face made this twist, and actually redeemed the fact that we have to suffer through another Double Express Pass season. It's the best unimpressed expression I've seen on Amazing Race Canada, I think, out of all four seasons. Just frowning and fanning herself. <laughs> I really, really wish that someone had just put a camera on Ashley at that point. Because they had to know that it was coming. Given how unimpressed Ashley was for the rest of the day, basically, they had to know that Ashley's reaction, if she checked in at the same time as Frankie and Amy, would be one of utter disgust and contempt. After 53 attempts of bartending and squandering away their first place finish, Joel and Ashley have to stand beside Frankie and Amy, and Frankie and Amy, who like dance their way through the entire day, get to be get to celebrate in their Frankie and Amy way of receiving the express pass. As Joel and Ashley could not have looked more dejected. Also, look at it from the other angle. Steph and Christian were told that they were only going to be seeing Frankie and Amy with the Express Pass, which is like best case scenario for them, because they only have to have lied to one team then. Oh yes, I was thinking too, I was wondering when both teams checked in within seconds of each other, would they be like, oh guys, we just have to do separate match chats away and just shoo away uh, Joel and Ashley. But no, they made they let Joel and Ashley witness this whole thing go down. So I'm curious if that's within the rules somewhere. This is best case scenario for production. You can bet your bottom dollar that they probably made Frankie and Amy wait. Because there is no way that the Double Express Pass toys can ever be better than one team checking in and getting it, and one team standing three feet away and having to watch on and looking like they have a face like a smacked ass. But from Steph and Kristen's point of view, they were told they were only giving it to Frankie and Amy, so they only had to lie to one team. They now have Joel and Ashley, who are not only pissed that they know that they lied about the Double Express Pass, but they're pissed that they didn't give it to them. This could only end horribly for Steph and Kristen. Meanwhile, Frankie's mind is blown, and Amy directly quotes Julie Chen, saying, Expect the unexpected. And I think this was definitely unexpected for Ashley. It's even worse for Steph and Kristen that everyone's going to be on the same flight to Vancouver and then probably on to uh, Haida Gawai next week. Emin and Jillian may not be after, especially with Emin and Jillian struggling in these international rounds. They're not the targets for the U-turn anymore. It's going to be the team that lied about the express pass, uh, finished near the top of the standings in all four rounds so far, 
other than when they got the Express Pass, where they wasted a couple hours getting it, but still passing teams. And now with the whole deceiving portion and trolling Joel and Ashley, they've got to be public enemy number one for the rest of the season. There is going to be a ton of downtime next week for teams to talk to each other, and especially teams who haven't seen Joel and Ashley since before Leg 3 when, you know, they came in first. So, hmm, I wonder what this topic of conversation from Joel and Ashley is going to be, given that this week Stefan Christian's uh, officially got the best average of the season so far. You know what would be great? When they book tickets for the flight to Vancouver, if Stefan Christen have to sit next to Ashley, and Ashley just gives them that same stink eye for the entire duration of the flight. I'm just assuming they're going to be flying to um, Vancouver, by the way. I don't know for certain. Well, yeah, they're not going to be flying to Prince Rupert. <laughs> no, but they, they might... They might get the flight back to Calgary, for example, and then fly on to Prince Rupert. Uh, I would think they're flying to Vancouver. Yeah, I would think so. It would be the big assumption, but we don't know for certain. So, after all that Express Pass awkwardness, Julian Lowell checking in sixth, and Julian and Emmett have a lot of confusion about the pit stop location, but the best thing about it is you can see the lit-up city hall behind them. They are... And they still couldn't figure out where it is for a bit, eh? Yeah, if you go back to watch that scene where they're frantically trying to get people to tell them where it is, you can see the spires of City Hall lit up behind them. It's quite impressive. So they were just completely out of it this round. Oh, 100%. They were, like, bumbling their way through. They are very lucky that they are quite a strong team, because I think they probably would have gone out a lot earlier otherwise. And I'm guessing it must have been really late during night time. Just judging by how, or, or it was already dark when Antonia got to that initial clue box, and yet they showed up to the, they had overlap at the detour with Emmett and Jillian, plus they had to go through all that traffic to get to the pit stop. So I'm guessing it had to be way after midnight. I do remember them saying when we went to Ho Chi Minh City that it is famous for its nightlife and they stay open all night, which is probably why they did the bartending task and the VPOP task. Mm-hmm. because they can guarantee that locations will be open so we don't get a Nick and Sabrina in um, in leg five last year. But yeah, it was probably quite late. Monty probably had a very late night, and I suspect they probably were quite glad of the, let's be honest, 24 hours of flights that they're going to have after this leg. It must have been one of the longest days of racing that they've had because they started out in the morning, or well, just before noon, and if Ammon and Jillian are still on the race course... I wouldn't be surprised if they racked up nearly 15 hours of consecutive racing. Yeah. The problem is I don't know what time the sunset was. Because if the sunset was really early at like 5 o'clock, then it's going to skew everything we're thinking. Well, they're right right near the equator. So you're, I don't know how long the sun stays out there in the middle of April in Ho Chi Minh City. It'll be interesting to see how big the spread is. Because Kelly and Kate obviously rocked the V-pop detour. But... It'll be interesting to see how big the spread is, because if it's like six hours, then yeah, they probably spent about 15 hours on the race course. Oh yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, next week's departure times will tell everything. So, checking in seventh was Jillian and Emmett, which left Anne and Tanya to be in last place, and they have a beautiful friendship, but get off Monty's boat, they're in last place, and they're eliminated. Uh, yeah. I love how Anne and Tanya get elib- are like so... Oh can't believe we're eliminated, and Monty's like, yeah, you guys kind of finished near the back of the pack once again, and this time it finally costs you. But are you proud of yourselves? I love the, the like the segue to just try and uplift them as much as possible in that typical John Mont- Monty, upbeat, Roger Rabbit type uh, <laughs> attitude. And you can guarantee that James Duthie will recycle the questions he asked Susan and Shanji in uh, the inevitably incoming after the race special. Oh, uh, if, if Duthie asks Anatonia, like, oh, so being mothers, Anatonia, what do you think about this incident with the express pass with Stephen Kristen and Joel and Ashley? If Duthie says that, I am blocking him on Twitter. <laughs> that's just gonna, that's going to be the end of the relationship between me and James Duthie. What relationship? He tweeted a really, really bitchy response to you. There is no relationship. I don't know. I always have hope. Have you tweeted him since? Or have you sort of slunk off? I'm waiting for an apology from him, Michael. He's Canadian, of course there'll be an apology. I'm so sorry for being mean about you. About you. And with an elimination here, that does mean that we get... Oh, we've got four eliminations in the next seven legs. So, if next week is an elimination as well, 
we're gonna have elimination, non-elimination, elimination, non-elimination, elimination, non-elimination, elimination for the rest of the season. I would assume they would have to make next round a non-elimination just to, well, ironically enough, keep people guessing for the rest of the season. I suspect next week will be as well, but if it isn't, then predictable season is predictable. And Antonio, though, they uh, they had some promise, a little bit here and there, but overall, this just wasn't their race, as we expected going into it. They, them and Stefan and Antoine initially defied expectations, and then alt- both teams ultimately finished where, close to where we thought they were going to be. Well, with Stefan and Antoine, I predicted they would finish ninth, and then with Anne and Tanya, I thought they would be first out. Yeah, I I don't think it's the wrong decision, because imagine Gillian and Emmett going out here. We wouldn't have any more inevitable meltdowns, because I cannot wait for more Gillian meltdowns. I don't know, I wouldn't have minded uh, Eminem and Gillian just going home. I feel like they had a, that would have been a pretty spectacular run of doing extremely well at the start for the first three rounds, and then just crashing and burning with having 70 million attempts at bartending i think that would have been a pretty pretty uh hilarious downfall and then on and and antonia somehow recovering after and passing emin and jillian after always being hours and hours behind them from well about two minutes into the season yeah but we would have then been left with five all-female teams and two guys left one of whom is blind that would have been awesome though which would have been a complete mess you you're winning around there but you yeah. want to have seen a, there there hasn't been a season like that before. I don't think it's a huge shock that Adam Tanya went out. Like it would have been it would have been a lot more interesting if the because we've just seen the bickering uh, exes that have made a strong run several times before in the Amazing Race history that if they were to go out and we have you know these two Italian Vikings or the Ho Chi Minh Hadi as Anne was nicknamed this episode or the Incredible Hulk. Uh, it just would have been a lot more fun to watch play out. I'm determined to coin uh, that nickname for the Incredible Hulk. The, the Ho Chi Minh Hadi doesn't uh, doesn't go over as well. No, no, the Incredible Hulk is better. Yeah. So next time, teams head to Hidegoai in BC, and Ancient Tales, Planes, and a boat-themed logjam all feature. I predicted they would go there. You did. Well done, you. I said they would go to Haida Gwaii in Season 4, that it was one of about three or four locations left for them to visit in Canada, and that's exactly where they're going. Probably the last leg we may see in BC for Amazing Race Canada, because they've gone everywhere else. <laughs> Maybe they can do an entire round devoted to mining in Barkerville or one of the other ghost towns. Or they could do an aviation round in Dawson Creek. And get James Vanderbeek there. James Vanderbeek, my buddy. He was in Dawson Creek, wasn't he? Yes, James yes. Vanderbeek. What a guess. Uh, Joshua Jackson, uh, Katie. Uh, what's, his, what's her name? Kate Holmes. Katie Holmes. Yeah, and oh, Michelle Williams. Not Michelle Williams of Destiny's Child, but rather Michelle Williams, the actress. Is she related to uh, notorious rapper Brian Williams? <laughs> yes, he, she's related to Brian Y. We've not mentioned Bri White ages. <laughs> Kim Jong un, un, un. So I think we both agree that it's um, going to be a non-elimination next week. Who do you think is going to be vulnerable? I don't know, but can we can we just point out? Did I uh, did I say that Anna and Tony were going to be eliminated this week? Yes. So I predicted that Ann and Tanya were going to be eliminated, but low hanging and... fruit because obviously they were going to get eliminated. <laughs> But, uh, all, and furthermore, I correctly predicted that Frankie and Amy were going to receive the express pass. But you also said Kelly and Kate would be third. Yes, but let's don't. T- but I got the two most important parts of the episode correctly. And I believe that Gillian and Emmett would, would win the leg. I predicted that Anne and Tanya <laughs> would be eliminated and that Frankie and Amy wouldn't get the express pass. No, you said Stephen Kristen would win the leg, but you know, same applies. So close, though. If only they chose karaoke. I initially thought that they would win this leg, but Emmett and Jillian having to do karaoke in Vietnamese sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. Which it was. <laughs> Which it was. So well done. I'm proud of you. So I got a lot. I got a lot of re- correctly about this leg. Yeah, you redeemed yourself from the cluster that was your predictions last season. 
Well, I just missed the boat on Dana and Matt. No, I, I'm, I meant last Canadian season, but I'll take Dana and Matt. Oh, last Canadian season, yes. Okay. So, is there anything else that you want to add about this leg? Um, I don't... I think we covered most of it, except for some really obscure notes that I have written down. But, oh, everyone keeps saying with Eminem and Chilling that they're... Uh, that they're actors and that people from Big Brother shouldn't be crossing over to Masonry's canon, that it's just uh, stunt casting. Well, you know that Emmett and Jillian are not actors when they can't even do the basic actor art of bartending. Very true. They were probably found at taco stands. They were juggling ta- uh, burritos. Because that is now the traditional place to find people. Mm-hmm. It's just how it works. And you can find Kelly and Kate at a centipede stand. Not a, uh, a human centipede stand, though, because that would be weird. No, that might that'd probably be more for uh that'd be might be more for like Anne or something, I guess. So there is one thing that does need to be said, and that is that by the time this episode comes out, it will be our very own Michelle Pierce Denovan's birthday. So happy birthday, Michelle. Happy birthday, Michelle. And thankfully there is nothing else important that's happening this week. So we can just focus on Michelle's birthday. Yeah, we can just solely focus on her, just complete tunnel vision. It's a really a whole week dedicated to uh, Michelle. It'll be like a true communist regime where she can be like a culture of personality. It's the Michelle birthday week, let's be honest. There's going to be a mural. Um, Don't promise anything. You'll have to actually uh, achieve it if you promise things. Do I have to focus and believe before I achieve it? <laughs> yes, we need to talk about a major race Australia. <laughs> I'd forgotten that you'd started that gloriousness of a franchise. I am one minute into the first episode. Oh god, you've seen all the team introductions though, haven't you? Yeah, I saw, I saw that before and then I'm working on uh, blogging it. <laughs> oh, it's such a mess. Have you been playing Pokemon Go? Yes, of course I have. I have, I don't know if you've seen my Snapchats, but so far I have... Oh yeah, that's the other big announcement. For those of you that don't know... I finally have a smartphone. He does. He's finally upgraded from his Nokia 3210. <laughs> yes. And the funny thing is, is that this phone's a Motorola too. I just can't can't get away from the Treasure Hunters reference. Awesome. Mine's a Motorola as well. So anyways, feel free to add me on Snapchat, uh, which is super kuwaki. There's a shock. Yeah. But yeah, I have, for those of you that don't know with my Pokemon Go journey right now, uh, I've heard that everybody around town yesterday, uh, where I live, that everyone was struggling with catching Pokemon as much as me, so I don't know if they dwindled that down on the servers or what. So I walked around quite a bit yesterday, caught very little. So after one and a quarter days, my current Pokemon collection is uh, two Zubats, uh, Charmander, two, two Zubats, the Charmander... And a Pidgey, and last but not least, a Poliwag. Well, I've been having a lot of trouble with catching anything on Pokemon Go, because everyone's been really lucky. One of my colleagues caught a Gyarados at the lake near here. What? I went to the lake yesterday and caught naff all. I was so annoyed. Apparently there's a lot of Magikarp in Okanagan Lake. Right next to, uh, right next to Ogopogo, there, there's thousands of Magikarps. Yes, but I haven't done terribly badly. I caught a, an Eevee at work. I caught... I caught a Rhyhorn earlier. Whoa. Uh, what else have I got? I accidentally chose Bulbasaur instead of Squirtle, because Squirtle is bay. Um, mm-hmm. I saw a Pikachu and couldn't catch it on Monday. I'm not doing too badly. I'm just not doing as well as I'd hoped to be. Mm-hmm. So on the journey of becoming a Pokemon Master, what level are you? Uh, I am level 9. Yeah, I'm still on level 2. Ooh. Because I can't catch anything. It's ridiculous. Have you decided what team you're going for yet? I didn't even know about the team thing until yesterday. It's going to be really tough to decide my allegiance. It's like, uh... <laughs> it's going to be, uh, like, uh, Michael Blue Sr. deciding which gang to join up with. Everyone's trying to woo him over. Seriously, how many, um, of these references to Arrested Development are we going to make this week? <laughs> <laughs> Several. Yeah, several is the correct answer. Several references. So yeah, what I was getting at is it on Saturday is of course Logan's birthday, so this technically is the Logan's birthday extravaganza, hence the um, the dirty clip that we had earlier. 
so I have a friend here to just say something for you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Jim. Logan. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> oh, thanks, Anne. Oh. An Italian Viking message for you there. <laughs> oh, that, that, that is great. That that supersedes any magic in her fingers. <laughs> Oh, I think we've got to finish on that note, haven't we? So, yeah, thanks for listening to this UR Team Rumble podcast. You can join us every Wednesday for more Amazing Race Canada recaps. And, yeah, Michelle's birthday Thursday, Logan's birthday Saturday. Wish them a happy birthday on Twitter because, you know, RTV Warriors will be. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, RTV Warriors, on our Twitter account, at RTV Warriors, or on our own Twitter pages, MJ Houston for me and Logan Superwacky for Logan. And, obviously, follow Logan on Snapchat at Superwacky. Bye! Hashtag two five zero. Hashtag love. <laughs> I, 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 there's a lot of hashtags, but I think they're all they're, they're all inappropriate this week. Do it anyway. Well, I don't even have the hashtags prepared. Oh, hashtag sixty three attempts. Uh, hashtag killing Kate domination. Hashtag centipede. Hashtag magic fingers. And yeah, that's about it. Just chill till the next episode. Peace. Hashtag I know what's inside me. Ugh, I'm so sick of my life. I feel sick because I, I know what's inside me right now. It was like magic in my fingers. I'm all wet. It doesn't matter.